You're highly welcome to the Precious People's Assembly for All Nations podcast, a place where we share God's word and empower you for your assignment in the marketplace, guided by Senior Pastor Sam Otenaki. Now, why don't you sit tight for today's sermon as we dig deep into the word and discover how to be God's representatives wherever we go. Hallelujah. It's exciting to be in God's presence in a, in a different way, in a spicy way, in a jeans way. Hallelujah. Isn't it? It's, it's different. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Are you having a good time in God's presence already? Give somebody a high five beside you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn to your back and give the next person another high five. Welcome to church. Welcome to church. It's exciting to be in God's presence. Let's have our seat in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Precious verses are wonderful. Andy, let's put our hands together for the Lord for them. Hallelujah. God bless you, everyone. And to our guest minister this morning, Minister T.J. David, we celebrate you. Thank you for coming. Hallelujah. It was powerful. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning in your presence. We thank you for your grace that is at work in this place. We thank you for your mighty power that we can feel in our midst this morning. We say be thou exalted in the name of Jesus. Thank you because without a doubt we can feel and know that you are here with us already. Well, Father, we celebrate your presence and we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. As we go into your word, Lord, we pray that you minister to us in the name of Jesus. We pray that you speak to us in the name of Jesus, not any preparation this morning but lord that you just speak to us in the name of jesus i release myself to you as a vessel to speak to your people father at the end of this meeting let your name be glorified in the name of jesus let all glory be yours in the name of jesus thank you father thank you jesus in jesus mighty name we have prayed in jesus name we pray in jesus name we pray hallelujah Okay, so you're going to help me. Um, I feel scared. I'm sure you know already. <laughs> you know, you know. You <laughs> I feel scared, but I trust God for grace this morning in the name of Jesus. And I trust God for your cooperation as well in the name of Jesus. You know, communication is when I speak and you feed me back, right? So that I don't sound like a radio. It's only a radio you are listening to. And you're not hearing anything. You're just listening. You're not talking back to the radio. Except you pick your phone and call the radio. Hallelujah. But now that we are together physically, when I communicate, you give you feedback. Hallelujah. Uh, I mean, I just talked about communication. Hallelujah. Uh-huh, that's more like it. Please bring yourself into consciousness that we're in church. I, I feel a little hot. Maybe it's because of where I am. So please... <laughs> Help me turn the fan. For people that know me, they know that I tried my best to not stand before you today. But it just couldn't work. And I, of course, I thank my pastors, my senior pastors, for the privilege to 
I mean, stand before you this morning. It's a big shoe I can't feel. I trust God for his grace this morning in the name of Jesus. We celebrate them. Of course, we know that they are not here with us, and we celebrate them. We celebrate God's grace. Let's put our hands together for them. Hallelujah. And of course, I thank my elder and pastors above me that I am standing before you. I trust God. Thank you. Thank you. I trust God for his grace this morning in the name of Jesus. Okay, so we've been hearing a lot about the principle of balance. Pastor has been teaching us. He has taught us extensively about the principle of balance. I'd like us to please pay attention to the screen. Technology, please help me with Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 8 to 10, the ESV translation, which is the focal point, uh, the focal scripture of the principle of balance. Let's just have it on the screen, please. Yes, so um, we've been hearing so much about the principle of balance. All the pastors that have been uh, taking one session or the other, verse 8 to 10, please. If you can put it together, I'll I'll be glad. All the pastors that have been teaching us um, at different sessions have been doing uh, tremendous justice to this uh, amazing topic. And... The interesting thing about this topic is that, for me, um, the principle of balance is teaching us how to live a fulfilled life. That's where I see it. It's teaching us how to live a fulfilled life. In this scripture, we see that Pastor has dissected this scripture differently in different ways. We've entered into love. We've entered into different dimensions of this of this I mean topic. And it basically covers every area of our life as human beings. It basically covers every area of the reason for our existence. Hallelujah. It basically covers every area of our daily living. It talks about our relationship with our maker. We didn't make ourselves. By now, I'm sure we all know that. It talks about our relationship with our family, our spouse, whether immediate, whether if you have a spouse, if you don't have a spouse. It talks about our relationship with family. And of course, it talks about our relationship with our work, which is what? Making money, right? So you see that all these areas of life are the reason for our existence. And for pastor to be taking us on this, I mean, particular topic, it tells me that it, the topic is saying to me that there's a way I need to live if I want to live a fulfilled life. Hallelujah. If we want to live a fulfilled life, we need to live a life of balance. And how do we live a life of balance? By putting God first and, of course, a family next and then our work last. And of course, it's, if we don't live this life of balance, if we don't live a fulfilled life, there are consequences to it. Hallelujah. There are consequences to it. If you don't have a relationship with your maker, if you are not spiritually sound, there are consequences to it. If you don't have a good relationship with your family, if you don't have a good relationship with your spouse, there are consequences to it as well. If you are not doing your work diligently, if you are not doing your work as unto the Lord, if you are not hard-working, if you are not profiting, there are consequences to it as well. And of course, a lot of, I'm sure many of us may have, some of us may have met people who have, you know, all their lives, they've dedicated to work, they've made money, They've not paid attention to family, and we see how their families have turned out. Some 
have died without having wives with them, without having any spouse with them, men, even women alike. Some have raised unruly children, you know. Some have raised in discipline, undisciplined children. And, of course, those are the consequences when we don't make up our mind to live a balanced life. There's no way we can be fulfilled family-wise. There's no way we can be fulfilled work-wise. There's no way we can be fulfilled in our relationship with our maker. As a matter of fact, somebody that is even putting work first, will that person have time for God? Absolutely not. So, of course, that area of their life will definitely suffer. The family life will suffer. Some have put family first. They've not considered God. They don't think about what God is saying. They are not interested in what God is saying. And of course, they are not also diligent in their work. They've concentrated so much on their family. And of course, I mean, they see the consequence. I did a, we did a, uh, I did a project with someone. And um, before we finished the development, the person uh, passed on a few years ago. Um, did, of course, the development is done and everything. The person passed on. But it was after the person passed on that I got to know that he, as wealthy as he is, he passed on and the portfolio of properties he had was over four billion naira. He had a portfolio of properties worth over four billion naira. He had the 2,500 square meter land in Banana Island, if you know how much it is then you understand what I'm talking about. Apart from different properties in different places that he had, right? It was after he died that, I mean, news got to me that he had three wives. And none of them were even living with him at the time he died. So he had children. Some children were not bearing his name. Some are bearing his name. Basically, right now, everything is just upside down. No direction. No direction, such that children are taking themselves to police station, taking uh, uh, their uncles who had possession of some of the property documents to police station, and all of those messy things is happening right now in his family. He concentrated so much on building wealth, he forgot the importance of family. He forgot to build his family life. And of course, the consequences is happening to his children today. If you refuse to live a balanced life, if you refuse to follow the principles and the teachings about a balanced life, you may not even be the one to reap the consequence. It may be the people after you. It may be your children. It may be your family. You may not even be the one. And in some cases, you might be the one to reap the consequence. Hallelujah. So this, I would like us to take this teaching very, very seriously. If you need to go back to hear what has been thought about it, please do go back to hear what has been thought about it because it's a basis for existence. Jesus said the time is coming that I must work the work of he that sent me while it is day because the night comes when no man can do what? Can walk. So if you, have not con- if you refuse to live a balanced life, a time will come that you will regret your actions. A time will come you will wish you had lived a balanced life. A time will come. The consequences will stare you in the face, whether at work or anywhere, or with your children. You will wish you had lived a better life. Hallelujah. I saw a video in the course of the week about the founder of um, 
KFC, Cornell Sanders, and he was talking about how he found Jesus at the age of 77. And he said the joy he had working with the Lord in, I mean, from finding Jesus, he wished he had found him earlier in his life. And of course, that's how a lot of people, um, a lot of people regret, you know, that they didn't find Jesus early. A lot of people regret that they didn't walk with the Lord. They didn't start walking with the Lord early enough. A lot of people regret that they, didn't, they are not obeying or, or, or living right early enough. Those are some of the consequences that can happen when we don't live a balanced life. This morning, I want to talk about the unconventional strategies to help us win in this race of balanced life, in this principle of balance. Unconventional strategies to winning in the principle in living the life of a, a fulfilled life or living a balanced life. I know that we understand that um, in military warfare, there are conventional and there are unconventional strategies to winning a military warfare. A conventional strategy to winning a military warfare basically is about use of guns, uh, bombs. And all of those show for, I mean, force, kind of weapons and all those stuff. But unconventional strategies are things like negotiation, sanctions, uh, you know, sponsoring other people to create unrest, you know, and all those kind of things. They are unconventional strategies that are used to win military warfare. And of course, we know that uh, uh, sanction is taking place for people that America don't like. It's a country that America don't like. That's where they start sanctioning them, sponsoring things to create unrest because of their own selfish interest. They will not come physically to fight sometimes, but they will create conspiracy, sponsor other people, go and just make that place ungovernable for the people we don't like. You know. So those are unconventional, conventional, I mean, unconventional strategies in military warfare. So the conventional ones are the ones we've talked about. So this morning, I want to talk to us about unconventional strategies that we can use, that we can deploy by the help of the Holy Spirit to win in this journey of balanced life. And of course, we know that if you know, I believe you know, that we as human beings, the seat of our warfare, the venue of our warfare is our mind. Do you agree? Do you agree? The venue of our daily life battle is in our mind. It's not the physical fight that you fight with somebody. It's not the, probably not the quarrel you quarrel with somebody, right? The place that your warfare is, is your mind. It is in your mind you process the physical fight that you fight. The process of quarreling with somebody starts first from your mind. You process it and then it translates to your physical action. Hallelujah. So I want us to understand that we are talking, the reason why we are talking about unconventional strategies is because they are strategies that we have to fight in our mind. They are strategies we have to deploy to deploy to win the battle in our mind. And of course it will translate to our physical actions. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Am I making sense to you so far? Put your hands together for the Lord if you are certain. Hallelujah. I'm going to be jumping between a couple of scriptures, so I hope technology can help us as you also pay rapt attention. The first point, the first strategy I want to tell you about is discipline. 
The first strategy is discipline. Let's read what the Bible says from Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Let's read NKJV. I'll tell you when to move translations, please. Whoever loves instructions loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Titus 1, verse 8. Titus 1, verse 8. Now, this book of Titus is talking about qualification of elders, you know. And uh, it talks about what, what qualifies someone to be an elder. And, of course, we have an elder in our midst this morning. And I know he's qualified. He has these principles. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Bible says, but <clears throat> hospitable. Is our elder hospitable? Uh, so if you need a room, you can go to his house. He will give you a room. <laughs> or if you need house rent, he will listen to you. <laughs> But hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, just, holy, self-controlled. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17. He who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction does what? Does what? So for you to live a balanced life, you must imbibe the culture of discipline. You must be spiritually disciplined. Disciplined to studying the word of God. Disciplined to praying. Disciplined to obeying what God is saying at every point in time. These are ingredients that can help you to, that can help you for your garment to be white. If you remember in Ecclesiastes, in, in ESV translation, it says that your garment should be white. These are ingredients that can help you for your garment to be white. But of course, being disciplined um, will definitely lead to your spiritual growth as well. As you cultivate the culture of discipline, as you cultivate the culture of studying the scriptures, as you cultivate the culture of praying, as you cultivate the culture of obeying the word of God that you read, it will in turn help you to grow in your work with the Lord. Your hearing ears will continue to become sharper. Your seeing eyes will continue to become sharper. And you know the Bible says they are gifts from the Lord. And these gifts will not just jump on you unless you are disciplined in the place of prayer, you are disciplined in the place of Bible study, you are disciplined in the place of obeying the word of God. That is when the gifts of hearing, the gifts of seeing will come into your life. Hallelujah. So if you want to live a balanced life, which of course is talking about you having a good work with the Lord, you must be ready to be disciplined when it comes to spiritual things. Hallelujah. And of course, when it comes to marriage as well, in your marital life as well. You know, we talk about fa- God first, family, and work. In your marriage as well, maybe as a young man, as a single man, as a single lady. By the time you get into the institution of marriage, the thing, some of the things that you used to do as a single, you cannot do them anymore. You must discipline yourself to refrain yourself from certain things that you do as a single man or as a single woman if you want that marriage to succeed. If you want the marriage to blossom, you must have some level of discipline in that journey of marriage. If you don't, it will become a chaos. If you don't, it will become a problem. And what about in our work life as well? Some of us work in organizations that have code of conduct, that have uh, 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 
behavioral manual and all what not. We work in those organizations and when you contravene any of those laws and regulations, what happens? It leads to a consequence. You can either be searched, you can either be queried, you can either be reprimanded. And of course, you know that if you I mean, contravene any of those uh, organizational rules and regulations and you are queried, when, when promotion time comes, they will look at your file. And whatever they see in your file will determine whether you are qualified for promotion or not. So you see, if you are not disciplined enough to obey the rules and regulations of the environment or the organization where you work, you cannot ultimately live a fulfilled work life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So for you to live a balanced life, a fulfilled life, you've got to be consistent and you've got to be disciplined in, your, in every area of your life. Hallelujah. Let's take a look at the book of Job chapter 5, verse 17 to 18. Job chapter 5, verse 17 to 18. Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore, do not despise the chastening of the Almighty. For he bruises, but he binds. He binds up. He wounds, but his hands make whole. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 5 to 6. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 12. Let's take a look at the book of Hebrews chapter 12. And then we can take some lessons out of these three scriptures. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10 to 11. For they indeed for a few days, chasing us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Discipline can be painful. And when you are disciplined, it can be painful. But God is saying to us, now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it does what? Let's read it together. Afterwards, it does? Hallelujah. I want to say to us from these scriptures that as children of God listening this morning, we need to open up our mind to be disciplined. It might be tough, it might be rough, it might be painful, but God is saying that he's going to produce fruit of righteousness. Maybe you are listening to me this morning, you might feel a little bit hurt by a few words I'm saying or that I would say. Rather than being antagonistic towards me, why don't you pay attention to what God might be saying to you? Rather than think, oh, why is he saying all of that? Maybe he's talking about me. I'm not talking about you. Because I didn't have you in mind when I was preparing this message this morning. I mean, for the past few days. Hallelujah. So if you feel hurt, it's because there are some things God wants you to correct. Not because I am your enemy. Hallelujah. And same way, many of us, it might not be me, it might be when pastor is preaching that we feel hurt. He's not talking about you. There's something God wants you to correct. And that which God wants you to correct is the reason why you are feeling that hurt. And if you refuse the discipline, there are consequences to it as well. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. So it might not just even be, you know, if God is going to correct, God is not going to come down and appear physically to you and say, what you are doing is wrong. Has it ever happened to anybody? Has it ever happened to anybody in the history of uh, the, the new generation Bible age? Has anybody ever written a book or say that God appeared to me physically and say what I'm doing is bad? Have you ever heard it before? God will send people to you. He will send your spouse to you. He will use your spouse to correct you. He will use your spiritual leader to correct you. When some of us are so, you know, we are, we are so holy and so perfect that we can't be corrected. Hallelujah. You know, I'm saying that I didn't plan for anybody. I'm just saying what God has put in my heart to say. Hallelujah. So it's not because of you. So please. Hallelujah. Some of us are so high up. We are so perfect. We are so righteous. We can't be corrected. When correction comes, when reproof comes, when discipline comes, we antagonize where it's coming from. We take the people, the person, or whoever God is using to correct us as an enemy. If you have a spouse and God is using your spouse to correct you, it's because God loves you and he wants you to produce a fruit of righteousness. He wants you to be trained, to be better, to be disciplined, to be a better husband, to be a better wife, to live a balanced life. That's why the correction is coming. But rather than you seeing it as, an antag- as, as being antagonistic or that the person hates you, the person doesn't like you, why not examine what they're saying could this be right? Could this be true? Is there something I need to correct? Is there something I need to do differently? Hallelujah. And by the time you begin to examine all of those things, it could even be at your workplace. It could even be at your workplace. And by the time you begin to examine all of those things, you realize that, yes, God has a reason for bringing that correction to you. And as we begin to imbibe the culture of discipline, as we begin to allow ourselves to be trained and pruned by the word of God, and every mode of discipline God is bringing our way, it will produce fruit of righteousness in the name of Jesus. The second point I want to tell you this morning is patience. An unconventional strategy for you to live a balanced life, for you to live a fulfilled life. Patience. You see, patience is a very hard thing in this day and age, it's very, very hard to observe patience, you know? Extremely hard. But painful as it might be, unpleasant as it might be, uh, unwelcoming as it might be, it's an ingredient, it's a requirement for you to live a fulfilled life. It's a requirement for you to live a balanced life. You've got to be patient at work. You've got to be patient with your spouse, in your family. You've got to be patient with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 8 to 14, book of 1 Samuel chapter 13, we see a very critical example of impatience. Not of patience. Of impatience. And of course, he was talking about Saul. Someone had Saul to wait for him. Before the, before the sacrifice. He said he was coming. And Saul grew impatient. Anything can make you to be, patient, to be impatient. Anything. So it could be people. It could be your desire. It could be pressure from family. It could be your own goals and whatever it is. It could be ambition. Anything can make you to be impatient. 
So don't think about the fact that Saul couldn't wait. Think about the fact that you can be the person. You can bow to pressure. You can bow to the demand of family. And then you become impatient and you do what you're not supposed to do. Hallelujah. We saw the consequence of impatience that happened to Saul. He was not patient enough to wait for Samuel. And of course, he did what the revered prophet of God was supposed to do. And we know what the consequence was to him. In Luke chapter 15, verse 11 to 24, we see the life of the prodigal son. We see the life of the prodigal son. What drove him to doing what he did was practically impatience. He was not ready to be patient for the time, for the appropriate time. The Bible says, all the days of my appointed time will I wait unto the Lord. Till so my change does what? He was not ready to wait for the appointed time. He became impatient and he requested for his own share of the property of his father. And of course, <laughs> he, he regretted it along the way. Hallelujah. So just as we're saying that impatient, I mean, if you don't live a balanced life, there are consequences to it. And if you refuse to be patient with God, be patient with your spouse, be patient in your workplace, there are consequences to it as well. Hallelujah. Let's see what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 24 to 25. NLT Bible. Romans chapter 8, verse 24 to 25. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need hope for it. But if we look forward to something, we don't, that something we don't yet have, we must what? I can't hear you. Are we in church this morning? We must what? We must what? Let's see what the Bible says in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3. Very popular scripture. The vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, do what? For it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. If you're writing, you can write Psalms chapter 37, verse 7 to 9, Philippians 4, verse 6, and of course Genesis 29, verse 20 to 28, which was talking about the life of Jacob. Hallelujah. So only him who endures till the end will do what? Will wear the crown. Patience is something that is lacking in our day, in our age, in this season. But it's a, it's a very important ingredient for us if we really want to live a balanced life. And of course, for us who are impatient, we are not alone. I mean, Saul is your progenitor. The prodigal son is in your lineage. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, you need to begin to rethink about this thing. Hallelujah. And of course, we see what patience can do. What it did in the life of our father, uh, our father Abraham. We see what patience delivered to him. We see what patience has birthed, birthed into his life. And for all those other ones, we also see what impatience can do. For him as well, at the point when patience grew, when he grew tired of patience, a consequence happened. What was the consequence? 
Ishmael was a consequence of his impatience. So there's always a consequence to our impatience. And of course, there are always benefits to our patience. Hallelujah. I really don't know how to emphasize this enough, but, you know, we see in the life of Abraham, we see in the life of Jacob, we see in the life of Daniel, what patience can do. But a lot of us just want to use B speed. We want to jump the process. If you played Sega, if you, are, if you played Sega those days, you'll play, you play Mario, you know what B speed is. You just want to use B speed. You know, you want to, everything should happen now. Everything should happen now. And interestingly, I see in the life of Israel, um, when, the, when prophet Jeremiah made a prophecy that for 70 years there will be what? Captivity. Right? For 70 years they will go captive in Babylon. Despite the righteousness of people like Daniel, Shadrach, uh, Meshach, and Abednego, and some of the other folks at the time, the 70 years was complete. It was complete. There was nothing they could do about it. I mean, a few years ago, we had a project we were doing, I mean, which is up and running now, you'll tell. And at a point, for a whole 12 months, one year, for a whole one year in the course of that project, we couldn't, we didn't, we didn't, we couldn't make a sale out of it. So imagine you open a business or you have a project that you're supposed to be selling. And for one year, there was no sale. Nothing happened. Everything was dry. The project couldn't move. It was, almost, it was about exactly one year after that things changed. In the course of the time, of course, what were we doing? My wife and I would drive to the sites, we'll pack there, we pray, we put our, our son in the car, we pack there, we pray, we pray. At our individual times, we pray. I mean, a few times I had to beg pastor, please, sir, follow me. Let, I don't know what's going on. Maybe somebody buried something. <laughs> you know, we went there, prayed, prayed. But in the course of that time, all I had to do just praying and praying and just trusting God. I couldn't move a pin by myself. I couldn't convince anybody. I mean, I used all my sales skills. Of course, I'm a salesman. I used all my sales skills and ability and strategies. That nothing happened. One whole year, nothing happened. But I kept at it, to the glory of God. And with the support of my wife, we kept at it. We kept pushing, we kept praying, we kept trusting God. And of course, eventually, things happen. The development is up and running today. It's a hotel facility, people are using it. Everything is fine, to the glory of God. But that time, I couldn't just move a pin. And some of us, we might be in a moment in our life that we couldn't just, we can't just move a pin. It's not a time to begin to compromise. Of course, I had a lot of thoughts at that time. Should we just shut down this development and pull out of the contract? Should we leave it? Should, we, should I look? I made attempt at a point. I don't know if I told my wife. I, told my wife. I made a point to go and look for somebody else to come and take over the project. I made an attempt to go and look for another developer to come and take over the project and just pay me off what I have done and all of those things. But it didn't happen. Hallelujah. It didn't happen. All I, just, all I just could do was just to keep trusting God and keep praying. I fasted, did all of those things. So if you're in a time of your life and you feel like, oh, you are, things are not working, things are not moving. Why are you in this level? Why are you still in this level? You've got to wait for 
God. It's not a time to compromise. It's not a time to do what you're not supposed to do. It's not a time to go and look for who you're not supposed to look for. All I, To the glory of God, at that time, I didn't have to go and look for another prophet. I didn't have to go and look for another pastor. I didn't have to go and look. I didn't have to change church because maybe there was no enough power in my church. That's why it wasn't happening. Maybe it was, it's going to happen if I go to another church. All of that, I, none of that I did. Hallelujah. I didn't have to go and be looking for one prophet that will see and tell me, okay, don't worry, just keep waiting. That project will work. I didn't have to do that. I just trusted God, waited on him, trusted my pastor's encouragement and prayers and prophecies, and I just kept going. And to the glory of God, like I said, it's different. So you might be in a time of your life and you're already contemplating, maybe there's no power here. Maybe... I mean, if I had a different pastor, maybe the pastor or the prophet my mom was talking about, let me go and pray there. It could be marital delay. It could be childbearing delay. It could be any form of delay, delay of promotion, delay at work, whatever it is, just wait for it. He that will come, will come. And he will not tarry. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for the Lord. Hallelujah. Number three is accountability 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 is a subject a lot of people don't want to talk about nobody wants you in their business right nobody wants you in their business nobody people don't want to be accountable let's read what the bible says in in matthew chapter 12 verse 36 and 37 nlt matthew chapter 12 verse 36 and 37 And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10, NLT. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve. For the good or evil we have done in this earthly body, you will give an account to God of your work with him, whether good or bad. You want to live a balanced life? Be ready to be accountable. Accountable to God in your work with him. Accountable to your spouse. Accountable to anybody God has placed over your life as a superior accountable in your workplace imagine an accountant that does not keep record that the superior call and say what happened to the hundred thousand you had or you that was disbursed two days ago and you cannot give an account will they will you still keep your job will you still keep your job you can't keep your job you've got to be accountable let's not live the life that you don't want nobody in your business Please put James chapter 5 verse 16 on the screen for us. We've got to be accountable. Accountable to God who owns your life, who has given you the breath you're breathing. Accountable to the spouse God has given to you. Accountable in your workplace. If you are not accountable in your life, in these three areas of your life, you are not living a balanced life. And you cannot live a fulfilled life. Hallelujah. The Bible says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Hallelujah. As husband and wife, we must be accountable to one another. We are our own accountability 
partners. Hallelujah. I'm sure we've heard situations, or maybe we ourselves have even done. I mean, I've even done this by maybe your wife says, "Where are you going?" And you say, "What's your business? Why do you want to know where I'm going?" Or your husband calls you and say, "Where are you?" you? Say, "Why do you not want to know where I am? I'm on my way home." That's not an example of accountability. We must be accountable. Accountable to the superiors God has placed over your life. Accountable to everyone that God has placed around you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're writing, you can write Hebrews chapter 13 verse 16 to 17. Without being ready to be accountable, you cannot live the balanced life. Your spiritual life will suffer. Your family life will suffer. Your work life will suffer as well. And you know what? You will make erroneous judgments. You will make erroneous decisions. You will make error. If you have nobody telling you, guiding you, or seeking advice from somebody and telling somebody, oh, this is what I'm thinking, this is what I think I want to do, or somebody is asking you what you want to do, how do you want to go about it, and you, say, and you are not ready to speak because you don't want to divulge information. You know, I'm not saying we should be open to everybody. There are people God has placed around us that we ought to be accountable to. If you are not accountable, you will make erroneous judgment. You will make erroneous decisions that will hinder your growth and further development in all areas of life. Hallelujah. So it's important that we are accountable. Hallelujah. If we want to live a balanced life. Number four, faith. Faith. Without faith, it is impossible to do what? Only few people are talking. Without faith, it is impossible to do what? Without faith, it is impossible to do what? Let's read Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Yeah, Hebrews 11 verse 1. And then we'll go to verse 6. Faith shows the reality of what we hope. Let's read NKJV, please. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 6 to 7. Verse 6 to 7. Verse 6 and 7. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Verse 7. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an act for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world, and became heir of of righteousness, which is according to faith. The whole of Hebrews chapter 7 talks about faith, talks about the evidences and the things that happen as a result of faith. The faith that Abraham had, the faith that Noah had, the faith of Jacob and the rest of them. The whole of Hebrews chapter 11 recorded all of those actions and all of those faith-driven moves. Hallelujah. So for me, I believe without faith, we cannot really do much. We cannot really live a balanced life. Faith in God. Faith in the decision in our spouses, right? Faith that God is have God has given me this home, and the home will work. No matter what may be happening, no matter how high divorce rate might be, my own home is not going to be a divorced home. No matter how high uh, uh, a single motherhood might be, I will not be a single mother. Hallelujah! No matter how much I mean challenges are happening. My case will be different. 
You must exercise a level of faith. You must control your mind by the help of the Holy Spirit, by having faith in God, that the promises and the words and the prophecies God has spoken to you is able to bring it to fulfillment. Hallelujah. He is able to bring it to pass. You must demonstrate faith in Him. If you don't have faith in God, there's no way you can please Him. There's no way you can walk with Him. There's no way you can do His will. Because sometimes what He's even asking you to do is crazy. Isn't it? What he's asking you to do, you can't fathom it. What he's asking you to do is unrealistic. It only takes a man or a woman of faith to be able to do what God is speaking. To be able to do what God is saying. To be able to follow the direction God is leading them. Hallelujah. You must have faith. It's a strategy for you to win a life of balance. It's a strategy for you to walk with God. It's a strategy for you to live and work and and build a successful family life. It's a strategy for you to build a successful business or work life. God has spoken to you about that business that, look, you're going to succeed in it, but because of the happenings around you, you're asking yourself, am I even going to succeed in this business? Is this thing going to work? Is this career for me? Is this life for me? Is this marriage for me? Brethren, wake up. Build up your faith in God. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Build up your faith. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Because without faith, you can't live a balanced life. And you know if you can't live a balanced life, there are consequences to it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things we haven't seen. The evidence of things we haven't seen. If you're writing, you can write down Matthew chapter 17 verse 20. John chapter 6 verse 35. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, James 1, 5 to 6, John 11, verse 40. They all allude to this point of faith. Hallelujah. But because of our time, I won't be able to read them all. The next point is positive thinking. Positive thinking. Hallelujah. Positive thinking. Maybe you are wondering, which Bible scripture will I use to back it up? (laughs) It's all there in the scriptures. Hallelujah. It's the will of God that you think right. You meditate on things that are what? Just, noble, pure, things that are of good report. If your mind is corrupt, you can't live a balanced life. If your mind is full of impossibilities, you can't live a balanced life. If your mind is always looking for fault and wrong in what your spouse, and in your head you are thinking, let her make a mistake, let her make a mistake, let her make a mistake, your marriage will not work. It's not a curse. Hallelujah. Your marriage is not going to work. If you are the type that you are thinking, let me just catch him. Let me just catch him cheating. Let me just catch him with with that girl. Let me just catch him on the phone. Your marriage is not going to work. Hallelujah. You must think on things that are just at all times. Things that are noble. Things that are pure. Things that are of good report. That is what God wants us to think about. Let's see what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 21. NLT. There are a couple of scriptures I would have loved us to read. I'm just jumping them. Because of time. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21. Yep. If in... Yes, NLT, yes. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, Truly righteous and holy. Hallelujah. Put verse 3 back on. 
And let's repeat it together. Verse 3, verse 23, sorry. Verse 23. Let's read it together. I want to go. Again. Brethren, it costs nothing to think positively. But it costs everything to think negatively. It will cost you your, your peace. It will cost you your future. It will cost you your God's given purpose. It will cost you your family. It will cost you your relationship with him. It will cost you everything to think unrighteously. But it costs nothing to think positively. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you meditate on positive thoughts, when you think on positive things, you are energizing your spiritual man. You are energizing your spirit man. You will be able to hear God accurately. But when you are thinking of corrupt things and impossibilities, and God wants to tell you, move this way, but your mind is full of impossible thoughts, how will you hear? No, I mean, honestly speaking, how will you be able to hear? Because your mind is already full of the impossibilities. And God is a God of possibilities. He's a God of possibilities. He is a God that specializes in doing the impossible stuff. But you are here thinking of, oh, maybe I'm destined not to marry. You know, a lot of folks are thinking like that this day, right? It's, it's, it must everybody marry. I mean, it's how you want to think it that you would have it. As a man thinking his heart, so is, it's your choice. It costs nothing to think positively. But it costs everything to think negatively. You will pay for it. Hallelujah. If you're writing, you can write down Proverbs chapter 15 verse 13. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 5. NIV translation. And Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. You can also write Romans 12 verse 2 if you're writing. You can write Psalms 19 verse 14. You see, there are a lot of scriptures would have been jumping together. And John chapter 14 verse 27, NLT translation. So let's read Proverbs 23 verse 6 to 8. We'll read it in NKJV and then we'll quickly go back to reading NLT as well. But let's read first in NKJV. Proverbs chapter 23 verse 6 to 8. It's a popular scripture, and I just wanted to bring something to your consciousness from there. Yeah, NKJV first, thank you. Do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. Next. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. Verse 8. The muscle you have eaten, you will vomit up and waste your pleasant words. NLT, please. 6 to 8, NLT. Verse 6. Don't eat with people who are... Who are what? Don't desire their delicacies. Next. They are always thinking about how much it costs. What was this? Poverty mentality. Right? They are always thinking, but again, the Bible says we should count the costs. Isn't it? Jesus said count the costs. <laughs> but then this is poverty. But Jesus still told us count the costs. Don't start building your house without cast, counting the costs. You will fail. 
They are, don't worry. <laughs> Sir? <laughs> no, when, no, when is food, have we? When is house? Count the cost. But food, no need. Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. They are always thinking about how much it costs. Eat and drink, they say. But they don't. Verse 8. You will throw up what little you have and your compliments will be so imagine you go to a restaurant with somebody. <laughs> you can already imagine. You're in a restaurant with somebody. And you're drinking Coke and meat pie. And the person came and said, ah, you can't have anything. And you tell him. <laughs> you can't have anything. You don't tell yourself that. Let me just take what this person is taking you. Put a knife to your throat. You have what is. You want to go and order brocoto. <laughs> And with Amala and Ogufe. So you 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 eat your compliments <laughs> by yourself. When it's time to pay and say, Oh God, you know see where they chop. <laughs> you know we follow, you know get wisdom. They will call you you know that money what advert that the girl had to go and wash plates. Because the the card did not work. One, I think is is it money point or which advert is that? Hallelujah, Hallelujah. But what I wanted to bring out from this scripture is that we can be thinking in a poverty way. God is not does not want us to think like that, because this is basically poverty. Hallelujah. So stop thinking little. Stop, stop belittling yourself in your mind, in your thoughts. You know, this scripture, this particular point ministered to me greatly. And what it ministered to me personally when I was preparing is that lately I've, I mean, I've been trying to, um, I've been trying, I've been very careful some of the steps or decisions I make work-wise, trying to be careful. But when I was ministered, when I was preparing this message, the, what God ministered to me was that, where are those dreams of the skyscrapers you wanted? So because of these little things you have now limiting your thoughts, where are those dreams of the skyscrapers you wanted to build in Abuja and all those stuff? So those were the thoughts that flashed back, and I'm like, oh, maybe I've been limiting my thoughts. I've been limiting myself. Hallelujah. So I'm saying to you this morning that you channel your thoughts. Think on the just things. Think on the noble things. Think on the acceptable things. Think the fact that your situation is possible. Yes, there might be delay. Yes, you've got to be patient, but it's not a denial. It's going to work. Wait for it. Do not, it, do, it will not tarry. It will come. He that will come will do what? I can't hear you. He that will come will do what? And it will not? Hallelujah. Put your hands together for the Lord if you are being blessed this morning. Hallelujah. Number six point is forgive. Uh, technology is saying my time is remaining 20 seconds. Can I end it here? Can I end it here? Can I end it here? The majority carry the vote. Hallelujah. The majority says no. The no's have it. Uh, in this place, the no's have it. Hallelujah. Just a few minutes more. But it's not two seconds. At least it's three minutes I can see it. But just give me a little five extra minutes. We should wrap up. I have about 16 or 18 points, but that's not for today. Don't worry. Don't worry. But I have very important things I would just like us to touch on, quite important. 
that I'd like us to just touch on, and I'll be very fast with it. So please follow me. Forgive. Number six, forgive. Forgive. What you get when you forgive is much greater than what you lose when you do not forgive. What you get when you forgive is much more greater. You can't fathom it compared to when you do not forgive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A lot of persons are, I mean, they say it's the strong that forgives, isn't it? He's a strong person that forgives. So you want to be strong, learn to forgive. Some people can, you know, remember they harbor unforgiveness. It's like their second nature. They are able to just keep unforgiveness. And you cannot walk with God and be an unforgiving person. Interestingly, when pastor is ministering, maybe at a deliverance session or something, he asks the person, forgive anybody you are holding in your heart. He will say, let go. I mean, I've been not talking about other people. Me, myself, I've been under a few deliverance sessions. Hallelujah. And he has told me, forgive anybody you are holding in your heart. Any grudge you are keeping in your mind, let it go. Release it now. Forgive the person. No matter how hot you might be, forgive. Because if you hold on to unforgiveness, you cannot experience deliverance. Hallelujah. If you hold on to unforgiveness, you are keeping somebody in mind, you cannot have a successful work with God. You cannot have a successful family life. If your wife does something or your husband does something and you are keeping it in mind, you are using it to react, you are using it to act, it will eventually build up over time. And you, there will be consequences to it. You cannot also afford to be unforgiving in your workplace. Because your boss can be a wicked one. Your boss can be unreasonable. Your boss, your colleague can, can, you know, just want to antagonize you for nothing. They can just decide and say, this Monday, now your case. They can say, this week, now you, now you. Everybody's just seeing you doing something wrong. Everybody's just seeing your little mistakes and, and, and excuses. And then you are holding it in mind. And because of that, you come to work the following day, you don't greet your boss. What will happen? Because you are keeping on forgiveness in mind. Hallelujah. So you want to live a balanced life? Be a forgiving person. Be a forgiving person. You can write down Luke chapter 6 verse 37 to 38. Number 7 is forget the past. Everybody say forget the past. Forget the past. Forget the past. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 18 to 19. Please put it on the screen. Isaiah 43 verse 18 to 19. Isaiah 43, verse 18 to 19. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make road in the wilderness. So God is saying to you, do not remember the former things, whether good, sorry, whether bad or any evil thing. Do not remember it. He is going to do a new thing. You know, some of us, our, our remembrance, our, our ability to remember is so sharp that the person that hurt us five years ago, we know exactly what the person did. We, we know exactly what the person has done. The clothes we wore ten years ago, you can remember, you can describe it. God is saying to you, forget the past. You cannot want to walk with God and be holding on to past hurts and past mistakes. Hallelujah. Forget the past. Let it go. It's a new day. It's a new beginning. It's a new walk with the Lord. Hallelujah. No matter how many abortions you may have done in the past, forget it. God has forgiven you if you have asked him for mercy. It's a time to move on. It's a time to live a better life. It's a time to walk with him. Hallelujah. It doesn't mean that you're not going to get a good man or a good woman. No. Because he's going to do a new thing in your life. 
is going to do greater, greater things that you, can even, you can't even think or imagine. Don't hold on to your past. Don't let your past have a grip on you. Did you hear me? Don't hold on to your past. And don't let your past have a hold on you. You like the rhymes? <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't hold on to your past. And don't let your past have a hold on you. You are qualified. You are more than enough. Some of us may have lived or come out of abusive homes. You've seen your parents abuse one another. It doesn't mean that that's how it's going to be for you. It doesn't mean that that is your destiny. That memory has made some people not to be interested in anything called marriage anymore. But God is saying, forget the past. If you, are, if you keep holding on to it and you keep nursing that memory, it's an, it will hinder you from having a successful family life. Maybe because you've had a bad I mean, experience with your former boss and you think that everywhere you're going to, you must guard yourself. You know how those kind of people think? You must guard yourself because of the hurts that you've had before. God is saying forget the past. If you guard yourself like that, at some point it will affect your relationship with the nice boss that you're working with now. Do you understand? At some point it will come to play with the nice person that is just trying to show you kindness. You begin to think that, oh, maybe it's going to be like that person. Maybe it's going to be like my former boss. And you will not be able to get the best out of your work-life relationship. Hallelujah. If you've been cheated by a partner before, a business partner, a, 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 a relationship, romantic partner, whatever kind of partner, and you carry that cheat, that hurts in mind, and you are going into the next business relationship or into the next uh, uh, romantic relationship, bearing that cheat and that hurt, it will come to play. It will come to play at some point, And you will not be able to get the best out of those relationships. Hallelujah. So God is saying to us this morning, you want to live a balanced life? Forget the past. Forget the past. Let it go. Leave it back there. The only thing you should do about the past is to pick the lesson from it. Pick the lesson from it. But don't let it hold and hinder your future. Hallelujah. Number eight says, visualize. Visualize. Pastor has taught us severally about the power of visualization and the power of memory. Hallelujah. Many of us, can, like I said earlier, many of us can remember the past hurts. We can remember the past mistakes and everything. But we can't even just sit and visualize the glory of God over our lives. We can't even just sit and visualize the great future God has in store for us. We can't even just sit and visualize the great family God wants to create through us. We can't even sit and visualize the many lives that God wants to bless through you. You can't even sit and visualize the many wonderful children God wants you to raise. But yet you can remember those past things. This morning God is saying to us, visualize. Use your power of visualization. Visualize that your work with God is a success. Visualize that you are mentoring other young believers. Visualize that you are raising other people in Christ. Visualize the beautiful family God wants you to have. Visualize your children playing in your garden at the back of your home. Depending on the type of family or home you want to build. Visualize the kind of work you want to have. Visualize you being becoming a director of finance. Visualize you becoming a palm visualize you becoming a ceo begin to see what god wants you to see stop thinking about the past days begin to visualize how you want your life to turn about hallelujah hallelujah the bible says in abaku chapter 2 verse 3 verse 2 chapter 2 verse 2 to 3 
Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2 to 3. Let's take a look at it. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2 to 3. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets, on paper, in your journal, in your iPad. That he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak. And it will not. It will not what? Though it tarry. That's the power of visualization. You are visualizing. You are using. It's a great tool God has given to us. The ability to sit and visualize. Pastor has taught us about this several. He said he uses it a lot. It's, the, it's a great weapon to win this life of balance. It's a great weapon to win this life of balance. No matter how you think your life is right now, you can just sit down and just begin to visualize what you want God to, what you are trusting God for in your life. And there's just a way these things come around. With the power of prayer, with the power of prayer, it is able to come to fruition. It is able to come to reality. Hallelujah. In Genesis chapter 11 verse 6, we see what, please put it on the screen, NKJV. The Genesis chapter 11 verse 6, we see what imagination did. The Bible says, and the Lord said, indeed the people are one and they have, they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. KJV, I want KJV. KJV says, imagined to do. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will restrain from them. Nothing will be restrained from them, which they have. What? What's in your imagination? What are you imagining? You are imagining failure? You are imagining that you are not good enough to work with the Lord? You are imagining that you are not good enough in your marriage? You are imagining that you are not good enough as a husband? You are imagining that you are not good enough in your workplace? You are imagining that success is meant for certain people? You are imagining that, you're, you're, I mean, it's only outside people that become DGs and directors and stuff? You are imagining that promotion will not come to you? You are imagining that certain people have the ability to do business, you don't have the ability? What are you imagining? What are you imagining? Hallelujah. Number nine, sacrifice. You've got to be ready to sacrifice. You want to walk with the Lord? It will cost you time. It will cost you energy. It will cost you a lot. You want to build a family life, a good family life? It will cost you time. You need time to spend with your family. It will cost you. It will cost you money. Hallelujah. It will cost you money. You want to have a successful career, it will cost you sleepless nights. When you have to read for promotion exam, when you have to read for, your, uh, for the course that you are taking in school and the additional costs and stuff, it will cost you. You want to live a balanced life? Be ready to make sacrifice. Be ready to make sacrifice. Hallelujah. Be ready to make sacrifice. Finally, let's just read the book of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16 to 17. NLT. But to do good and to communicate NLT, please. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that 
please God. Verse 17. Verse 17. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Let's rise up this morning. Hallelujah. In this place we see obedience, accountability, we see sacrifice, we see that and some of those other things we've discussed this morning and the Bible is saying if you don't do them, it wouldn't be to your benefit. I don't know how God has ministered to you this morning, but I'd like you to just close your eyes and go to the Lord in prayer and just talk to him in any way you know he has ministered to you in any of these areas that you know you need his help for you to live a balanced life do you need to become a disciplined person do you need to begin to visualize do you need to begin to think positively do you need to develop and have more faith in god do you need to be accountable you need the grace to be patient do you need to be able to forgive you need to be able to forget the past do you need to be able to sacrifice begin to pray and ask the Lord to help you in the name of Jesus that in all of these unconventional strategies to live in a, a, a balanced life the Lord will help you to adopt them to run with them in the mighty name of Jesus that you will live a balanced life indeed in the name of Jesus you will forget the past you will forget the things that be not you will, you will forget the things that do not matter anymore in the mighty name of Jesus pray in the name of Jesus I don't know what God is speaking to your heart this morning about all you have heard take it to him in prayer in the name of Jesus and we have come to the end of yet another intriguing session of the PPA Fan Podcast thank you for joining us today we hope this message has touched your heart and inspired you to be a light in your marketplace. So, in order to stay connected and access more empowering content, kindly visit our website at pbfn.org. And always remember, you are a citizen of heaven and God's ambassador here on earth. May God's love and grace guide you in all your endeavors. Until next time, goodbye and God bless.